Welcome to Life Church of Mobile's audio podcast of our Sunday morning teaching. We hope that this teaching will challenge you in any season of life you may be in. Thanks for joining us and enjoy. So we're going to be talking about two words, two simple words, do good. And we're going to break it down. We're going to be talking about do good in your calling and in life and different things. Uh, but before I get to all that, I just want to say, uh, I need you to, I'm going to tell you something, but I need you to keep a secret for me, if that's, if that's, if y'all can do that. Um, in four days, I turned 30 years old. And the reason I need you to keep that a secret is because in four days, we leave for forward conference. And what teenagers like to do is on special occasions for the youth pastor, let's pull a lot of pranks on them, right? So just keep that on the down low. Because no one wants a six-hour bus ride with a bunch of teenagers who are out to get you, right? So uh, teenagers, first off, they're terrible at pranks. Like, they don't, they don't think pranks through, you know, they just, I want to do this, and they run and they do it. Uh, one year we were off, like, Kentucky or somewhere, and, and we were staying with this family, and I was staying with this group of guys, and they, for some reason, they decided they're going to pull a prank on me, and they're going to get this bucket of ice and water, and they're going to fill it up, and they're going to dump it on my head, right? Except they decided they're going to do that while I'm in the shower, right? While I'm in the hot shower, they're going to dump cold water on my head. So literally, I'm in the hot shower, and I feel, and for a split second, the water went warm, because I'm in a hot shower, and it made no difference to me whatsoever, right? So I need you to do me a favor. Don't tell them, because I don't want to be dumped with ice water on the bus, all right? So, uh, but I've started noticing, and maybe, you know, maybe you notice this too when you turn 30. Like, when you turn 20, it's, like, really exciting, right? Like, I'm 20, and, you know, about to turn 21. I don't know why that's a big number, but, you know, you get all excited about different things. But when you turn 30, it's like, well, that's depressing, <laughs> Because when you're little, you think uh, 16's cool, 18's cool, 20, 30, dead. You know, that's just what you think. That's just, that's the progression of things when you're little, right? Of course, I, uh, hopefully I know better than that now, but uh, that's, that's kind of what you think. So 30, man, that's just crazy. And I've already started noticing, like, things going wrong with my body. I'm like, it's only 30, you know, like, Stop. Like I noticed, like, sitting in a chair, like, I can be sitting in a chair sometimes, and I, I'm, like, I'm like Brother Scotty, like, I have to move all the time. I, you know, I have to get up and walk around the office. I can't just sit down, but I've, I started noticing, like, I'll sit in a chair for any length of time, and body parts will go numb, like, just, like, they don't exist. Like, sitting in a chair, my right leg, for some reason, will just not exist. It would just go, and then people walk in, hey, Pastor Stephen, let me introduce you to this person. I'm like, hey, how you doing? Nice. <laughs> crazy. I'm 30. 30, not, not older. <laughs> you knew where I was going with that. Yeah. 30 years old. We have two kids, two amazing kids. My son is three and a half. My daughter is about three and a half months old. And it's really cool, but my son, he's three and a half, right? We, like, we're good parents, trust me. You know, you know, I know when you see my kids, you're like, what are they doing? But we're good parents, I, I think. But for some reason, uh, my son, when we're sitting at the table, and you know, I think all y'all can relate to this, he'll say like, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. He'll eat his food. Weston, we're going to have chicken tonight. Okay, yes, ma'am. And he'll say the blessing for, Father, thank you for the food. Amen. You know, every day for every meal we have is the same blessing. And um, when we get to the restaurant, though, 
It's like he never met us before or something, you know. It's like the little waitress come up, and we have a, a chicken meal for your kid. I don't want no nasty chicken. He won't eat. <laughs> but man, I'm telling you, like, 30, for some reason, a lot has happened in 30 years. It's, uh, you know, crazy. Uh, but a lot of life lessons, I guess, uh, have been learned, and some of them the hard way. Uh, a, lot of, a lot has happened uh, in 30 years that, uh, when I talk to a lot of older people, uh, haven't happened to them yet. Uh, for one, in 1997, my, my granddad, my mom's dad, passed away. And two years later, my dad, who struggled with drugs and alcohol his whole life, uh, was uh, arrested one day in Tallahassee, Florida. He was taken to a rehab center. And uh, the only problem with that is it was a self-check-in rehab center. So he could either go to jail or he could check himself into this rehab center. But if you could check yourself in, you can check yourself out of the rehab center. So they, they allow him into this program and they give him all these uh, antidepressants and everything like that with drugs still in his system. Uh, he then checks himself out of the, uh, of the facility there. He drives to my grandparents' house. Uh, they get him situated and my granddad had to leave to go to the store. And when he was away, he, he wrote us all a note, took a pistol and ended his life there on the front porch. I was 15 years old. It was a really hard time. Uh, three years later, his mom passed away, and I was really close to her and uh, my granddad. Nine months later, my granddad passed away. And on December 21st of 2010, my mom, after a long, long battle with cancer, uh, passed away in our house. It was a really uh, hard time. We grew up because of all those things, because of uh, everyone passing away in my life. And it just seemed like, you know, year after year, it was just somebody... Uh, leaving that we really depended on. And because of that, we grew up poor. And I'm not even talking about like, you know, just on food stamp poor. Or whatever. I'm talking about poor, poor. Uh, I, I can remember all the time uh, taking a bar of soap because we, we couldn't afford the, uh, the bath soap, you know, in the bottle. Taking a bar of soap and shaving it off in the washing machine to wash our clothes with. Uh, I can remember coming home so many nights and uh, we would have this long dirt road to get to our house and, and it would be nighttime and we knew we left lights on but when, because it was night we could tell that our power was cut off. So many nights uh, sitting there, it would be cold, freezing and we just have some blankets we had to wrap up in and I'm telling you, it, it was a hard, uh, hard time growing up. We were, we were happy as kids because, you know, we didn't know any better but it was a hard time. You know, when you're looking around and uh, you know, other students don't understand or other kids, other people in your life don't understand that uh, you don't have things simply because, not because your parents won't buy them, but because you don't have uh, another parent or your mom who's working two jobs simply can't afford uh, some of the basic necessities in life. I'm going to tell you, it was, it was a hard, uh, hard time. And it's even hard uh, to reflect on some of that. But let me tell you this. Uh, I don't tell you that so you'll feel bad for me, because please don't feel bad for me, because uh, God is a, an amazing God, and He always provided, and uh, I, I'm, I always knew as a little kid, I remember eight years old, looking over at my neighbor's house, they had a nice house, and I was like, one day I want to live in a normal house like that, and God is good, and He comes through, right? So uh, my point is not for you to feel bad for me at all, but I want to tell you this, all along the way, and I'm going to get back to do good, right? All along the way, people always told me if I wanted to do good, that I had to look a certain way, that I had to act a certain way, 
or maybe I need to change my personality or change who God, you know, has formed me to be. And people would always say, well, you know, if you want to be successful, this is what you need to look like. Or if, if, you want to be, uh, if you want to be liked by people and you'll be promoted in life, uh, you know, you need to kind of fit this mold, right? I can remember my granddad sitting me down and saying, you know, this is what the rich people do. <laughs> trying, to, trying to get me to conform to, to one day I would be rich and have a lot of money. And I'm like, you know, I, I don't know. I'm like nine. Yeah, so there are a lot of times people in life will tell you to be certain ways, right? And I can remember growing up, even being 14, 15 years old, being on the phone with my, my friends right? And we would just be joking around, you ugly, no, you ugly, you know, whatever. So, and we would just be laughing the whole conversation. And I'd get off the phone and my mom would say, you know, if you laugh all the time, people aren't going to like you. You need to just calm down, you need to settle down, you need to be more serious. And I can remember thinking, I like to laugh, like all the time, right? Like, I don't want to see a depressing movie. I want to see a comedy, right? I like to make other people laugh. Like, I I love being around that type of personality. I, I love uh, laughing, you know? So for me, it was like she was trying to change who just my inner being was. And a lot of times in life, man, you'll get hit so hard with people and their opinions on trying to change your actual being and who you are. Now, we're talking about do good, right? Let me just say this. The best way for you to help humanity the absolute best way for you to help humanity, your, your brothers and sisters on this planet, is to answer the call that God has on your life, right? And maybe you're, in, you're doing something great right now, and maybe that is where God has you. I want to tell you, when you answer the call, you're going to help so many more people in a way that God has planned for you to help them. The best way you can help humanity is to answer the call. But it's not just about answering your call. It's about fulfilling your call. Because I want to tell you this. The easiest thing you can do with your call is to answer your call, right? Say, all right, I, I surrender to whatever, right? I'm going to the mission field, or I'm going to be a doctor, or I'm, go- I'm going to be a, uh, you know, an engineer, or whatever. The easiest thing to do is to actually accept that call. The hard part comes for the rest of your life when you're trying to maintain that call, and you're trying to do good throughout your calling for decades to come, right? Amen. I was watching a... Uh, I like history, and I like building, uh, I just, I don't know, I just watch those type shows. And the other day I was watching a show about bridge building, and these really modern bridges that they're building all over the world, that they actually move, they have engines, and they, you know, the bridges, they're real dynamic, they're really cool. And one of the big engineers in China was talking about one of the big building projects they had going on. And he said, the challenge is not building the bridges, we can build the bridges. He said, that's, that's not a problem at all. He said the challenge is maintaining those bridges for decades to come. Oftentimes in our calling, man, it's so easy to answer, so easy to jump into it, but the hard part becomes maintaining the part of doing good throughout our calling for years and years and decades to come. How will you maintain doing good in the future? I want you to check this out. This is, this is one of the coolest verses, and maybe it's just the translation. Hopefully we have it. But it's Galatians chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, if you have your Bibles. Uh, This is the message version, but it's really, really awesome. If you don't have it, uh, just write it down, check it out later. Here we go. It says, make a careful exploration of who you are. You hear that? Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you have been given and sink yourself into that. 
don't be impressed with yourself and don't compare yourself with others. Now, that's what we're going to focus in just a minute. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility, get this, for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for the creative best you can do with your own life. Now, how many of y'all have ever had a new job before? Anybody? It's like, I've started a new job or a new position within that company or you've answered your call or, or something, right? And I'm telling you, for me, I love being creative. Brother Scotty's messages all the time, man, they just, they're right here on my heart because just being creative to me is just displaying everything that God has, has given you, Right? And, and your personality, just everything about you is your creativeness that God gave you, right? So, and this, when I start a new job or I start a new ministry, just like for you probably, your head is spinning. And you have all these ideas and you have all these uh, just awesome things that God has birthed in you. You're like, man, when I get in there, I, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And you already have it set up and you can just imagine in five years, man, this ministry or this new job, this is what I want it to look like, right? It's your, it's your baby. It's, it's, it's what you've been given. And then the first day on the job, many of you probably run into this, on the first day, someone will go, man, don't you have some big shoes to fill? Oh, Bertha did it like this for 60 years, Right? Man, you got some big shoes to fill. And all of a sudden, all the creativeness, all the things you've been thinking, man, this is going to be mine. Now, all of a sudden, you're trying to fit into a mold of the way it's been done for 60 years. I want to tell you, Satan uses people in, you know, Satan's creative too. He uses people in ways that maybe they just nip at you a little bit. You have have big shoes to fill. You need to be like this person. You need to forget all that creative stuff. You need to fit into a mold of who you're going to be. I'm going to tell you this. The only shoes that you were created to fill were your own. So next time someone says, hey, you have some big shoes to fill, you can say, I already woke up this morning and I put them on. (laughs) All right, guys. God is uh, amazing, ain't he? I wrote this down. It says, you were created with creativity to be creative the way God intended. You were created with creativity to be creative the way that God intended you to be, right? Now, with our positions as being pastors, especially on, on staff here, I have opportunities to speak to just thousands of people every year, and it is so awesome. I mean, just uh, the promotion that, that God gives me just in the, uh, just all over the place is so cool. People calling, can you come, please come speak, and it's so awesome. I love it. I want to tell you, the other day, someone called with the same thing. Hey, can you come speak at our event? It was going to be a a pretty big event, uh, eight or nine hundred people there. It was just, I was like, man, thank you so much. I I was, I was just so honored. Like I was, first off, I was blown away that they would even ask me, and I was just so honored to be there, right? And one of the guys that were over this event, uh, a few days later, uh, I saw him, and he started uh, talking into my life, if you will. And he started sharing things with me about this event, and he started uh, mentioning little things here and there, and I was like, okay. And then I, I realized later what he was doing was he was trying to get me to when I did speak at this event to not be me. And I really struggled with that because I was like, they asked me. <laughs> they know me. And they asked me, but now they don't want me 
to be me. I'm a little confused, you know. <laughs> I don't know how else to be anything else. I'll tell you, I, even though I've been doing ministry for 11 years and I have spoken at all kind of things, that, that really hit me hard. It really tore me up. It really did because I would go home thinking, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to be someone else. I don't know how to prepare to be someone else or fit this mold they want me to fit in. I don't know how. I was like, I, all I can do is be me. I'm going tell you, even the day of the event, the morning I woke up, and I was like, God, I, I, I'm torn on this because I need you to show me that you're in this. And I asked God for a sign just so I would know that when I stood up on that stage that it was what he wanted me to say. And about 30 minutes later, not only did he show me a sign, it was way bigger than I could imagine in the most perfect way. And I was put at peace and comfort at who I was through Christ and my calling through that. And maybe you don't have an opportunity to speak to thousands of people or whatever. That's not a big deal at all. But I want to tell you, people will walk into your life and they'll start speaking into you. And they're going to want you to change who God has created you to be to fit into a mold. But God has created you to be that way because he has promotion in mind for you. He has things that he needs you to do that only you can do in a way that only you can do it. I got to thinking the other day, I was like, man, football coaches, I was over in the weight room over at Faith Academy. I'm just so blessed to be a part uh, of this campus and uh, awesome ministries. But I was over there and I was thinking, man, these football coaches, they have a really challenging uh, job, but they don't have to be creative because football is football, right? Like you teach them the plays, it's the same plays that's been around for decades, you know, and they just go out there and train the kids. I'm like, man. And then God says, it's the same thing you do. (laughs) Ministry's ministry. It's been around for 2,000 years. You don't have to be creative at it. You can just go out there and do it if you want. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Guys, God, when you you answer your call, he doesn't want you to just answer it and do it. He wants you to use everything within your being and just the way that he's created you to do it for your, your calling, for your ministry, for your business, for whatever it is. And I think oftentimes we get stuck in a rut of looking at uh, other businesses or other positions of what people have done in the past, and we say, well, I have to do it that way. I love Brother Scott. He comes to staff meeting all the time. He says, we are not a church to keep up with the Joneses. He's like, you can tell me what that other church is doing, but it doesn't matter because I want to do what God has called this church to do. And we get stuck into a pattern of trying to become everyone else, and we're missing everything that God has for us. I, I love what Robbie said a minute ago. Just come down for some encouragement. Just come down for some encouragement. Let me just pray over you, because I think we get beat up, and oftentimes we just need to be encouraged to be who we were created to be in the first place, right? I tell you, everywhere, everywhere I've been, I've had, quote-unquote, like big shoes to fill, Right? Like everywhere. My, my second church, I was at a church for a year. It was a little mission church, and that mission ended after a year, uh, and the staff dispersed. And I, the second church I was on staff at, I was at for five years. But when I got there, all I heard about was 15 years ago that they had a youth group that ran 75 people. And I was looking around. I had eight kids. Eight. I had the really quiet girl that shook when you tried to talk to her. Had the kid that was way too old for youth group. <laughs> and I had the redneck that killed everything on the weekend. And, and he brought it and hung it in the youth room, no lie. 
My first day today, they're showing me the youth room. There's, like, there's literally a snake going down the wall that he killed. It's like, that's coming out. <laughs> I'm looking at these kids. I'm like, well, I don't know where 75 came from, but I don't have any expectation. You know, I was like, I didn't know. Five years later, before I left, we averaged on a Wednesday night 130 students. And sometimes we would peak as, as high, you know, over 150 on a Wednesday night. That has nothing to do with me, absolutely nothing to do with me, because I look back and I'm like, I have no idea that happened. But it's living within your calling the way God called you that promotes increase in your life and puts you in the places that God wants you to be. That was a, that was a hard time, but also an awesome time uh, for my life. I'm not going to be too much longer, but I'll tell you, there's two guys in the Bible and there's, that, that, that just show this so clearly. There's one guy who took over for another guy, and he had huge shoes to fill, right? And those people were Elijah and Elisha, right? If there's anyone on the planet ever who had big shoes to fill, it's Elisha, because he was literally standing there, and then Elijah was gone. <laughs> you, better, you better pick up the slack, right? But today, if I was to ask you, who had the bigger ministry? Like, who, who is the bigger figure in the Bible? Who would you say? Elijah, right? Elijah is the bigger name. But then when we look at their ministry, Elisha's ministry went twice as long as Elijah's. And not only that, Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah. But if we look at him, we say, well, Elijah's the bigger guy. And even in the New Testament, Elijah is mentioned 29 times. Elisha is mentioned one time. So when you step into a new position, when you step into a new ministry and people are looking around saying, what are you going to do? How are you going to be like this person? It wasn't that Elijah did a better ministry than Elisha. It, it wasn't that uh, Elisha you know, it was twice as great or, or whatever. Uh, it was that God had called them individually to do two different things in two different ways. Elisha's ministry was totally different than Elijah's. Uh, Elisha min ministered mainly to uh, the poor people, uh, you know, woman with the, with the jars of the oil and stuff like that. And Elijah, he always was in front of kings. He was very well known. He was extremely popular. Everyone knew who Elijah was. They have two different ministries, even though the ministry just simply continued through Elisha. I want to challenge you to never, ever, like that verse said at the beginning, compare yourself to someone else. Because your ministry is totally different than their ministry. And especially don't compare yourself to someone outside the church, right? Don't try to compare yourself to the world through that. Isaiah 32, 8 says this. I love this. Again, write this down if you, if you can. It says, a good leader gets this. A good leader plans to do good. That makes sense. And it says, and those good things... Make him a good leader. It's a cycle. A good leader plans to do good things, and because he did good things, he's a good leader. Isn't that pretty simple? A good leader plans to do good things, and because he does good things, it makes him a good leader. Now check this out. Three things about that. One, doing good means doing it the way God wants you to, because the way he, you know, and not only that, but the way he created you to do it, right? So three things. One is doing it the way God created you to do it. Number two, doing good means you plan 
to do good. How many times have you ever walked into a job, you've just been promoted or whatever it is, you said, man, I hope I do good in this job. I'm, I'm worried. I'm so, I just hope, you know, I, I don't know, I just I hope I can do good. You know, what, you know what that scripture says? A good leader doesn't do that. A good leader says, I want to do good in this job. God, God is going to show me how to do good, and I am going to do good in this job. He says, because you plan on doing it, you do those things, and because you do those things, you are a good leader. It doesn't say a good leader seeks out to be a good leader. It says a good leader seeks out to do good things. There are so many leadership books. And in fact, I, I was sitting underneath the pastor one day, and we, once a week we would have leadership classes. They were terrible, right? How to be a good leader. And we would watch these DVDs, and I was like, oh, man, this is brutal. This is not the way to be a good leader. Yeah, if, I, if I want to be a good leader, I need to stop getting out of this, you know, I need to get out of this class. I need to go out there and be a good leader, right? I don't need to plan to be a good leader. I need to plan to do good things in my ministry or my business. Number three on that, a good thing is not a good thing until you do it. Check out the progression. It says he planned it, he did it, and then he became good. I'm going to close with this. It's very simple. If you ever hear me speak, I I like to take simple stuff and keep it simple. (laughs) I can't can't stand when I go hear a pastor and he takes something really simple and he makes it really complicated. And then when I leave, I'm like, I'm really confused. You know, I just, I don't, I don't like that. I like to take something simple and just say, hey, this is, this is the way God meant it, right? But check this out. In 2010, uh, my mom went through a hard time with, with cancer, and she was coming to an end uh, on her life, but um, it had just consumed her body just everywhere. I mean, she had had everything you can imagine done to her to, to, to head off the cancer, and it got so bad that... Um, we were, we were renting a house, but we actually moved out of the house into a bigger house so we could move her in uh, with us. And so she was staying in a room uh, in the back of our house. And I'm going to tell you, I was only like 28 then, and that was probably the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life because I'm watching my mom go from this really awesome, uh, energetic woman. She worked at Strickland. She would come home and be like, man, this big old girl, she got out of control. I had to tackle her and put handcuffs on her. I'm like... You're the man. <laughs> it's like, like, crazy. My mom, she, she was a tough lady. But I watched her from being this really tough, really pretty woman uh, to just disintegrating uh, as a human. And uh, the last time she walked was on uh, my son's first birthday. She walked into the living room, and my son was sitting at the table, and she, just, she was in there on walk, and she was able to watch him blow out his candle. And then she walked back, and that was it. Uh, after that, she would go into basically a medically uh, induced coma. Uh, but um, the last few days there, she wasn't able really to talk uh, because, again, it was getting to the end. But um, the last two words she said to me, the last two things she could get out of her mouth, uh, and then she faded off, was two words, do good. It's not just a saying, because to me, I took that, take it extremely personally, that God has created me a certain way to do certain things, and then I'm going to wake up every morning and choose not to do those things is crazy to me. So when I wake up and I'm doing my ministry or I'll answer a call or whatever, 
I say, God, I don't want to just do ministry. I don't want to just do business. I don't want to just do something. I want to do it the way you created me to do it. Whatever passions, whatever creativity, whatever personality you gave me, I want to use that to the best of my ability to do whatever I can, but the way you told me to do it. I know that there are so many people in just a state of bondage at their job because they feel like they have to do something uh, the way someone else expects them to do it. I want to tell you, when you break out of that and you start doing things the way God created you to do it, it's going to free up so many opportunities. It's going to free up so many uh, things for you, even within your workplace, to do that you're going to be blown away with that. But I challenge you with this. To do good, to plan to do good, to be creative, and be you. My mom, every day, struggled uh, to be who she was actually created to be. And we were always behind. We were always behind. Uh, we could never pay enough bills. Something was always getting turned off every month, you know, because we couldn't pay the light bill, the water got turned off, or, you know, whatever. It was, it was all, it's always a, a system, right? And when you're behind, you try to do uh, things, even though they might be dumb things, to get ahead, and then you get even further behind uh, because you just want the best for your kids, right? So I look at my mom, person sitting there struggling, uh, her one thing was, man, I'm not going to be able to watch my grandkids grow up. And she was right. But I want to tell you this. When she said those two words, do good, it wasn't just like a catchy sermon title or it wasn't anything like that. For me looking at her, it was like she was passing on that ministry to me. Everything that she wasn't able to accomplish, she wasn't able to have us in a nice house. You know, she wasn't able to to, you know, have the best food on the table. Everything that she wasn't able to do in those two words was passed on to me. Her only dream for my life was not to be rich, was not to do uh, just crazy things that no one could ever imagine. My only, my only passion for my mom was to do good things. And so I pass that on to you today. Do good the way God has asked you to do good. Thanks again for listening to Life Church of Mobile's podcast. Our services are held on Sundays at 8:30 and 10:30 a.m. If you would like to find out more about our church, you can visit us at lifechurchmobile.com.